Hello, Axe Murderers, Chainsaw Wielding Cannibals, and the Angry Spirits of the Aether. Welcome back to the second episode of the Double Decker Metal Mayhem Horror Show. So glad you can join me on this adventure into the darkest depths of movies and music. Uh, I would just like to start off by saying thank you to everyone who's listened to it so far. I'm glad. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, thank you for those who reached out and had kind words to say. I really appreciate that. It means a lot that I can, you know, keep going and make stuff like this for people, even if they're not necessarily interested in metal or horror movies, uh, that I can make, you know, content for people that might just want to listen to new and interesting things. And that's what we're doing here. So thank you. And uh, without further ado, let's get started with this episode. Yeah! Welcome back, everybody. That song was Kai Tangara by Alien Weaponry. They're a New Zealand-based uh, thrash metal band. They're pretty sick. Uh, a lot of their songs use their native uh, Maori language, uh, so that adds a really cool touch to it. It's They're super awesome. You should definitely check them out. Um, yesterday, the songs were in order. Uh, Bleed by Mashuga, Choke by Barry Tomorrow, and Hammer's Mass Face by Cannibal Corpse. So check those out when you get a chance. Uh, you're probably wondering, Christian, why the hell uh, do you have the word saxophone in your podcast that you've created to talk about metal music? Um, and that is a good question. Um, and the reason I have the saxophone in the title is because today we're going to talk about uh, one of my favorite metal albums I've ever listened to. Uh, it's by the uh, Pennsylvania-based progressive death metal outfit, uh, Rivers of Nile. Uh, it's called Where Owls Know My Name. It is quite possibly the best album of 2018, not just in metal in general. It deserves so much more credit than it gets uh, outside of metal outlets. It is quite, quite honestly a masterpiece of musical composition. Uh, I love everything about it. It's incredibly cool. And... It also uses saxophone in a lot of the different songs, um, specifically in um, uh, Silent Life, uh, Subtle Change, uh, what's the other one? Uh, the title track, Where I Was Know My Name, and there's a couple others. It's uh, an amazing album, and th for some reason, saxophone works. It shouldn't work in a metal album. It, 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 the contrast is... It, between music that you would usually make saxophone used to with this use a saxophone to make compared to music you would use like guitars and stuff to make in the metal genre it's it's a incredible contrast um but somehow it works they they make it work by putting the saxophone in spaces where there's not a lot of other stuff going on. It's very, you know, it, it flows together really well in a lot of these different uh, compartments where otherwise, you know, just a saxophone playing with, you know, hard guitar doesn't necessarily work, which is weird because there's other bands that also use saxophone and love jazz instruments. It just sounds like a clusterfuck. It, it's insane. I can't describe. I think uh, Imperial Triumphant, I think, is the other band that uses, like, a lot of, like, I guess they're considered jazz metal i don't even know what the hell that is but it's absurd and pretty cool but rivers of nile uses it in a very pretty way actually you know it, it comes at the at the cusp of a lot of 
the the bridges and so it kind of like hooks the piece together at some points it's a prelude to a larger guitar solo uh, it's absolutely sick um their other albums are great too um the album itself uh um isn't like, incredibly long i think it's like uh, i think it's about like an hour or so well, let me double check that i think um let's see it's about yeah it's just under it's just under an hour it's 56 minutes so it's not that long but it, it packs a lot of punch in that time there's not too many songs on it uh, there's a couple instrumental breaks within this song along with larger songs so in that sense it's kind of like a two album but it's some of the songs are shorter and some of them are longer so it's a, it's a decent mix uh, i first found out about it when i was actually going to the bathroom i was sitting on the toilet um tmi sorry uh and i was just looking through youtube and i saw uh i think i want to say it was loudwire they were doing one of their gear factor episodes and I uh, stumbled upon it, and I was like, hmm, this is interesting. And I watched the uh, instrumental playthrough of their song on the album, uh, A Home, uh, which is the uh, second song on the album. It's uh, That doesn't have any Sagas phone on it, but it is a really pretty song. It's a very melancholic song. The whole album in itself is very melancholic. Um, it's not happy in any means. None of the songs could be considered happy. I mean, there's a song called Death is Real on there. Like, that's not happy. That's you're going to die. That's just what it what it is. You're all going to die at the end of your life. And there's nothing you can just stop it, which is maybe a little dark for uh, the pandemic that we're currently facing. But uh, nonetheless, it's still an amazing album. Uh, and Home is just this. It's like a, about a five minute song. And it has, you know, it's, it's, I think the, the song itself is about um, a relationship and how, you know, it, it hasn't really worked, but there's, you know, you can find refuge, but you can't stay. It's, just, it's, it's not a happy song, like I said. Um, uh, it's, if you ever look at the lyrics, they're, they're pretty awesome. Um, but it's a really cool song. It's really pretty. Uh, it's heavy and pretty, which is a really cool mix. I find that in a lot of metal songs that I like to listen to, there's a nice mix between a very heavy song, but also, you know, some very melodic and cool instrumental pieces that kind of make it fit together. Sometimes clean singing. There's a couple clean singing songs on this album. Uh, not this one. But... Uh, Actually, no, there's actually a little part. It's near the end, uh, before the guitar solo, I think. Um, so uh, before we continue, I just wanted to play uh, a little excerpt of this song so you can kind of get of a feel for uh, what the album is like, what the their sound is like. Uh, and so without further ado, here is uh, a little excerpt from A Home by Rivers of Nile. All right, so just in that song, you can kind of get a little bit of a feel for it. It's just kind of very anguishy. Uh, you know the the lead singer just yelling "stay." Um, it's it's a like I said, not a happy song. Um, but it really struck a chord with me. It really resonated. I don't know what it was. I don't know what past relationships or just whether it was just a, a song for, you know, uh, uh, maybe a darker portion. <laughs> um, but it's it's just a really cool and awesome like kind of intro song after the actual in mini intro um I, somehow this band has managed to create an album that 
in a in a genre very tinged with like very ethereal stuff that it makes it very melancholic almost like similar to like a uh like a blackwater park in a sense um a little, somehow more melancholic because blackwater park has some more heavy songs uh i will definitely be talking about blackwater park in a later episode it's one of my favorite albums uh it's by opeth but this album it manages to even in its heaviness like it has the, the 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 makings of like a funeral doom where it's very heavy, but the heaviness isn't like a necessarily a head banging heaviness where you want to kind of like get up and dance. It's more of a quiet contemplation, like wow, life is terrible, everything is bad. Uh, <laughs> I want to sink into a hole and never come out. Um, it's it's a good rainy day album. It's a very good um, to listen to in the fall. It's a very very fall atmosphere, you know, very change and renewal. A lot of the album is also about that. Like even one of the songs, it's called uh, uh, "Subtle Change," uh, including the forest of transition and dissatisfaction dance. That part is in parentheses, and that's a long song title. It is absurd. Um, that's probably my favorite song on um, song on the tra- on the album. It's about, I think it's about eight minutes. It's a long. It's a long song. It's a, but uh, I, you know, in listening to uh, this album again uh, to prepare for talking about this episode, I. Uh, you know, it's it's nice to come back to albums that you've listened to, you know, on repeat for a while during different periods. You know, if like it's, you need something to, you know, calm me down after a day or just go for a walk. Uh, you know, I'd, sometimes we walk around campus and just listen to one of the songs on these because they're good for just thinking. Uh, especially subtle change. It's a it's a very long song. You know about. <laughs> about your life and also a lot of weird topics uh, in the middle of it there's just this you know uh lyric where the 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 vocalist says he's falling backwards into nothing and there's this really long saxophone solo it's just absolutely gorgeous evan it plunges straight into this really cool guitar solo this it's about like a minute long it just it's just so pretty and just you know explaining all the you know what happens with your life and how things change so i mean subtly exactly you know that sometimes like little things can have such a big impact on your life and the things that you do um i think that song helps really to to capture that in this long weird piece of art um with this mix of different styles uh i also really like um it's the song after a home it's the third song of the uh actually no home is the third song uh silent life is the second song um uh that one is also another great song on but before we talk a little bit about silent life i just want to play you a little excerpt uh, of subtle change it's a long song but this will only be about 30 seconds uh it's awesome uh, I highly encourage you to listen to it because you can't really get the feel for the whole song unless you listen to it the whole way through. Um, so, because there's a lot of different moving parts in this song, there's like, like some like softer song, and then there's the parts where the guy's screaming into the mic. There's the like faster bits of it where it's, uh, you know, more like anguished and angry. And then there's the instrumental parts which flow a lot better together, and then you know the saxophone which is the long kind of like pause as you kind of take in the surroundings and listen to this really awesome saxophone player jam out these notes 
and then there's the long guitar solo, which kind of brings it back to the, the melodic part, and it goes back into this, you know, the the normal refrain of the song, um, which is this mix of you know bits of clean singing and also the 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 growling over it, and then you know, it's it makes for such a great song. So I'm gonna play a little excerpt from Subtle Change, including the forced transition and dissatisfaction gains. So it's that 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 extra right there it showcases a, a, a fair bit of the saxophone solo and then the transition into the longer guitar solo, which doesn't in this that little 30 second clip, it doesn't go into the whole thing. But you can kind of get the sense there of, you know, this really long saxophone, really pretty saxophone. It, it's interesting. It's not really a jazz saxophone. It's 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 not a jazzy feel. It's this very like out of body you know like jesus i'm like i'm high or something but it's it's this very different experience from listening to a usual saxophone with less improvisation and more concrete placement of the notes and of the place it wants to take you to you know out out of the the heavier aspects of the song into this softer side of it and then bringing it back to the technical you know, wizardry of the guitar players, um, and then later going into the solo, which, you know, kind of has this very melodic feel to it, this very, you know, awesome display of skill that really hits you. Um, and then The Silent Life is is another depressing ass song, uh, but it, it uh, it's heavy, it's, you know, it's a little bit slower in its pace, um, but after the sex, the, the next saxophone solo, you know, is there's this like almost like anguish that comes from the lead singer as he like bounces between this higher screaming um, to the the growling. It's this you know this back and forth of mourning the you know the the passage of time and making mistakes. So the song to me at least is is about how you can go through life without living it to the fullest you know it's it's you know to see a life erroneously led is the lyrics um you know of making mistakes not keeping people close when you should have uh, making the wrong decisions putting the wrong things first uh it's you know uh, mourning the years that you've lost um and the the lyrics the the years i've lost uh to this profound indifference um so it's this you know it's again extremely depressing. <laughs> I I feel kind of bad now that I've brought up this really depressing album. Um, but the the feel for the song is like it it really makes you think about it about what what have you done in your life that really you know that matters that you don't regret. Do you regret the things you've done in life? Do you? want to change them do you going forward will you start putting the important things first will you make up for lost time it's it's a very it's an interesting question or are you going to live the silent life are you not going to put yourself out there are you not going to do the things you want to do you know help other people it's stuff like that it's that's why that song really resonates with me really well i think that a lot of us could use that in our lives you know, thinking about the whether or not we are living the silent life or if we're making a difference, we're making an impact in our own life, on our family's lives, on other people's lives. 
I I think that you know that contrast in the song, the slow, the slowness of the intro, you know, the it's, it's more of a chugging intro. That part of it is you know the the living of the more silent life, and then there's the the transition with the saxophone, you know, the contemplation of what the life that you lived, and then the the guitar afterward and the the screaming and you know the remembrance of the stuff that you have lost and then into the chaos of like the weird saxophone and guitar pieces afterward that you know it's just the rage that you feel i guess i don't know maybe i'm looking into this too much but it, it's just a really cool well set up song uh, musically at least uh the uh different pieces of it are really cool um and so it's just this it's just very heavy so i know what Whenever the screaming part comes on, I can't. I always have to. I can't help but but listen to it because it's just so infectious. You know the the different like back and forth. Like it kind of is sort of reminiscent of the 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 Galileo part from Bohemian Rhapsody, where it's just the back and forth between the low like oh we don't let you go let you go this really you know, and but it's it's that kind of thing where it's just but it's just like you know like ah oh, that's yes yes do this and I'll get you know so it's it's a little bit i mean obviously a little bit different and less musically uh aesthetically pleasing uh to the untrained ear uh if you've never listened to metal before um so i'm going to play a little bit of of an excerpt from the silent life so you can get an idea of that song uh and here we go so you can see just from that clip the the little bit of the guitar solo before where it's just really pretty and then it goes right into the the anguish in the next in the next uh, few seconds of it and it's it's really it's it's you, you have to like even for that you can you must under, you have to understand me like that that draw that just transition is just so well executed and i it's it's, it's really amazing I, I love that song so much it's it's so great um i love that guitar piece it's just it's so pretty it's a, they have this they've managed so well to blend heaviness and melody in their songs on this album it's so great um i like the other albums too less than this but it's i hope in the future that they continue to to make the album more, their albums i know they're so they're they're, le they're taken off uh on the saxophone uh they're not focusing it as heavily which is disappointing but i hope they retain that level of of melancholy that even without the saxophone that is still present in a lot of their songs I hope they keep that because I think that really brings it together and it makes it really cool and different from a lot of the metal that's just either just really sad or, you know, really angry. I think it's, it's really cool to have a, I feel like melancholy is very different from just sad. It, it has this, you know, memory quality to it. I don't, I can't think of a better, like a, a nostalgic quality to it that, is more about the passage of time rather than any specific event. And I think that's what's really cool about this is that it it takes place over time rather than having a single thing happen to you. It's this all these different parts of your life that you either regret or are sad moments that have stuck with you and have has, have gone over time. And I think that's where the strength of the the of melancholy is in a lot of these these songs rather than just sad events. Now of course sad songs have their places. But I think that's where the strength of this band lies. And I, I really applaud them for making such an amazing album. Um, there's a couple uh, uh, other good songs on there. Um, uh, I really like their title track, Where I Was Know My Name. 
another one of my favorites is uh, Hollow, which has this really cool like keyboard intro, and it's just kind of a has some more clean vocals in it throughout. It's uh, again kind of sad, um, but I really like the, uh, those two songs as well. Um, uh, so uh, while we go on break, I'm going to play uh, those two songs. Uh, the first one is going to be uh, Hollow, and then Where I Was Know My Name along with some other songs uh, while we go on break. So I will see you guys after the break. And welcome back, party people. Uh, those other two songs besides the songs from Where I Was Know My Name were... Uh, Early Grave by The Contortionists uh, and Valediction by Insomnium. Uh, Early Grave is just a really pretty song. Uh, I really like it. It's a very different side of metal than I usually listen to, so it's, it's really awesome. Check that one out. Val Insomnium is just amazing. I'll probably do some stuff about them later. They're pretty sick, too. All right, um, so for this next segment, uh, I wanted to talk about slasher films. Uh, slasher movies are a strange fascination of my own and i think a lot of people in america uh when, when you usually see uh if you ever watch like tv shows about like weird horror movie people a lot of them are always a lot of them tend to be obsessed with the slasher films like the classic slasher films like friday the 13th uh, nightmare on elm street halloween scream i know i'm missing one uh, texas chainsaw massacre stuff like that um and, like, you know, they collect the masks, like, you know, they have the claws, they have, like, all the weird memorabilia from it. And so I wanted to talk about our, our shared fascination with slasher films. Why do we like them? Why do I like them? What, what's the merit of slasher films? Um, I, I guess I get a lot of this from my dad, because my dad used to like a lot of those old horror movies when he was growing up. He, like, he loves Night, he loves Nightmare on Elm Street, the Friday the 13th, and all those movies. Um, and I think... Part of the reason I think a lot of us enjoy these movies is because they're kind of funny. I, I I know that sounds kind of messed up, but but you know what I mean. Like I mean, especially looking back at it now, like however many years later, where the special effects have severely improved, but from the standards of like the eighties and nineties, you know. So like I mean, a lot of the the gags, like the the Freddy gags, aren't as you know creepy as they were, you know. But I think to some extent that they still do scare us. I mean, there's that idea, especially with Freddy, Friday of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, of someone trying to kill you in your dream, and you know you can't escape. You know, the the one, you know, sanctuary that we have as humans is often in the comfort of sleep. You know, uh, we we get very upset when we can't sleep. You know, when we're insomniacs, you know, so we take medicine to be able to sleep. And I think there's something very sinister about. A, a number one a, a serial child murderer <laughs> um but also that he kind of takes away the one kind of you know if if nothing else in your life that can bring you at least some semblance of peace he takes that one thing away and you can't go to sleep that's the one thing you can't do or he will kill you so it blurs the line between reality and dreams and I think that in and of itself is frightening, but it's also kind of the thing is it's very campy. Um, Freddie says some very funny stuff in in the movies, 
you know it's crazy like i mean i will it is kind of hilarious to see freddy krueger jump out of a television in the middle of a asylum and just shout it's prime time bitch and then just smash uh, someone into a freaking tv like it's ridiculous like it's like it's i mean that's in the third movie but it's it's not to me that's not really scary it's just kind of comical like this just like burn victim with claws is jumping into a tv and like making like jokes about it like who the hell does that to me it's funny you know there's like little one-liners and stuff where it's 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 creepy still you know some of the stuff he does is just gross it's awful but it but some like the jokes in it of itself can be kind of funny it's like it's like chucky you know like he's just this little you know in child's play that's another that's another classic slasher movie she's just a little stupid doll that like is irreverent and like says all these swears and then like you know is like torturing these people i mean it's kind of scary but he's like a freaking doll like it's ridiculous the concept in and of itself if you step back for like more than two minutes like it's a ridiculous concept like all of these movies have ridiculous concepts but i think that's what makes us enjoy them so much is because of the fact that the people in them are completely stupid and don't know how to react in a situation where someone's chasing them you know we always joke about it you know like why would you hide in the closet like just run just go just keep going and find someone who can help you don't stay in the house where they can search for you the, the stupidest thing um, but I think that's part of why we like them is because of how campy they are. It, it, back then, they might have scared us more, but but now I think looking back on them, I think we we value them a lot for their campiness and for the humor we get out of watching them. And, and some things, I think that's something that uh, the Scream movies especially did very well. A, a lot of about subverting expectations about horror movie killers um, and playing into a lot of the tropes that we take kind of take for granted now with our horror movies um you know that the fact that there are two killers um the killer is someone that we uh knew from the start you know didn't seem like it was a killer really kind of plays into that the fact that they're obsessed with horror movies you know there's that one scene where you know the, the one of the characters is watching the horror movie and he's like pointing out like look behind you look behind you the, the, it's right behind you, you gotta look and then meanwhile scream is behind him about to stab him just that that you know that dramatic irony that's in there is, is, is very cool and a lot of playing on a lot of those tropes being very self-aware and still pretty scary actually you know there's some creepy moments in it it's it's it, you know there's a murderer that's killing high school students and it's messed up and the guy is kind of a the killer is a misogynist and is like doing this because it's like his dad got taken away from him or whatever like or like cheated on by his mom and like ruined his life or whatever like it's a crazy story but it's it's still interesting and it's it i think the reason it's done so well is because it plays on all the tropes and is very self-aware and we know that it's very self-aware and that makes it more fun and entertaining to watch you know and i think i think there is also something to having a very recognizable antagonist in these movies you know, that you can kind of play on like the recognizable characters like you know we think Friday the 30th, oh you know jason Voorhees. you know that that's i know who that is i, I see him i dress up as him for halloween he walks around and terrifies people or michael myers of course freddy krueger you know the scream you know the those you know slasher villains really add to the the 
what's the word I'm looking for? The you know the novelty of it, the novelty of the of the the genre. You know, having those movies. Oh, we're going to see what the, he does next. What kind of cool trick is he going to have? And of course, there's the famous uh, Johnny Depp death in Nightmare on Elm Street that everyone said it's it's. I mean, even that, even if the special effects aren't that great, it's just a bunch of fake blood pouring onto his ceiling. It's still kind of terrifying, you know, just the hands just grabbing him and just pushing him into the 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 middle of the the bed and just the blood just pouring out into the ceiling as he's reading his magazine and like freaking out. It's it, there's there's other scene where the the hand comes out of the bathtub and like it's you know those are iconic you know horror movie like you know scenes that, that have like survived to this day. It's it's such a sick you know it's, it's so sick and then like but also so like iconic. I I think that they're they're popular for the same reason that something like Mortal Kombat fatalities are popular. You know, it's it's that you know that novelty of like what's the next weird and gross thing that they're gonna do to these poor teenagers that are <laughs> wandering around their respective you know campground or towns or high schools. It's that you know they're like what's the the next how can they top that what's the next thing you're gonna do and I think that also plays into why these um, slasher films kind of are able to survive even if they're increasingly awful sequels you know like uh, Freddy versus Jason you know like let's watch your favorite iconic slashers go head to head you know there's novelty to it or Alien versus Predator or stuff like that you know it's it's a really interesting and really i think that is the way it, it's like a branding that these f- films use to draw their audience keep coming back whether or not the quality of the film stays the same or you know uh, uh like you know a lot of the tropes of you know don't have sex in horror movies come from friday the 13th where it's all these horny teenage counselor camp counselors that are you know just fucking like rabbits <laughs> and you know, this is psychotic guy who gets possessed by the spirit of his dead mother or whatever the hell it is i it's been a while and he just murders him with a machete he like he just punches him in the face and they just die you know <laughs> so it, it's it's really cool that there's this nigh unstoppable like killers in these movies that you know still manage to keep coming back like you know if they're dead they're never really dead and that opens a lot of opportunity for you know making sequels and making you know, like action figures or spin-off movies, you know, of all these things. And I think that's what um I think that's why so many people are fascinated by them and enjoy these kind of movies. Um and I think that's also part of the reason why a lot of these sequels of these movies, like the newer ones, like the remakes, like of Halloween and like uh and of uh Nightmare on Elm Street and stuff like that, don't always necessarily work because they they try to make it scarier than it is if that makes sense you know i think part of the reason that these films were so successful is because they were so campy you know that they were these kind of humorous like ridiculous situations and then taking those situations and then implanting them into a better special effect more tangible reality than the one from the 80s or the 90s I think that kind of takes away from it, and I think people like that less than, at least in my opinion, than watching these campy, you know, stupid villains with their kind of bad burn makeup and special effects stuff. Like, you know, all these bastards of horror like Wes, Wes Craven, under, I think they understood that, that aspect of it. And I think that 
nowadays like remaking the movie isn't necessarily going to work without that campy aspect to it i think if you retain that maybe it still has some merit but you know it's just not you know like just change as much as jackie earl healy is a fantastic actor he's a great as rorschach in watchman and he's great um in preacher as the psychotic meat baron uh i don't i don't think he has the same kind of you know happy well happy is not the right word comical creepy dude in the sense that robert england did when he played freddy krueger um but i think it's a genre that still has the potential to to stick around and be interesting uh i just uh i want how recently was it? i want to say like winter break december january maybe i watched uh i think it's on netflix uh, terrifier which is the the one with the psychotic clown uh really gross to be completely honest with you with a lot more bloody than i was expecting um pretty good uh, a little bit kind of can be because like the clown is just so like ridiculous and he's like he doesn't say anything ever he's so creepy he's just staring at people and he's like doing all these weird like giving people flowers and stuff it's weird but it just can't be even though it is like really messed up and a lot of the stuff is a little gratuitous um so i think they're they're still like i think like i said i think that movie does the kind of campy aspect of it well even though there's all this horrible shit that this character is doing to the the people in it um i uh what else um that's another thing that i kind of want to talk about which is such i think the gore in the the mutilation that comes up a lot of these movies is very odd that people are into it so much um and i guess kind of like you know the saw and hostile films i wouldn't i won't consider those slashers as like i said more torture porn um so i'll leave those out but the, but this it's weird that we have such you know fascination with you know blood and guts that we want to see that when we watch these, you know, we want to see how creative the kills can get. It's, it's, I think, like, it's kind of what I was saying before that it's kind of in the similarity to the Mortal Kombat fatalities, you know, that that nuance and novelty to it and that a lot of these films have, and how you know how much destruction can this one character wrought in the span of an hour and thirty minutes, or however long the movie is. Um, and I think these. Uh, movies uh, i think i think the reason they work better as an older you know kind of genre is that the the blood and guts look a lot more fake and as soon as we get to uh the you know the newer movies like it starts to look better and maybe that's more disconcerting than the older stuff where it's just you know bad chocolate syrup and some pig guts whereas now it's you know look fake blood looks a lot better the camera quality is better and so i wonder if that plays into it a little maybe at least for me like there's the I'm, I'm sometimes maybe a little squeamish not all the time but which is ironic because i started this podcast but uh I, I think there is some something to that that the camping is also uh excuse me, uh, plays into that um, suspension of disbelief, you know, where we can just, like, kind of enjoy it and just, you know, you know, it's fake. But once it gets too real, it's like, mm, maybe this is a little much for me, you know, or maybe this is a little much to, to keep watching. Um, 
I think I think it's interesting, particularly like maybe maybe the Halloween films. Like, I think of out of all the the campy horror movie villains, I think Michael Myers himself is like the least campy. Um, but he's still popular. You know, I mean, he just kind of doesn't talk. He just gets shot a lot and doesn't die. And you know, it's kind of scary. You know, this brother from the past that you never knew you had that just wants to kill you. I think that that's a little scarier. I think that maybe that's why he survived for so long. There's that sense of dread that someone you know from the past is going to come back and haunt you is going to, is going to murder you with a giant butcher knife or smash your face in with a toilet seat, you know, stuff like that. And I think that in itself is scary, you know, where as in with like crystal Lake, you know, it's a specific location. Like Jason isn't going to come kill you in your house because he only kills people who go to Cran crystal Lake. Cause that's where he was killed. Whereas, you know, with Halloween, it could be anywhere, you know, he's going to find his family. And so if you have those kind of demons after you, that's, not gonna end well for you um i don't know if i'd consider uh psycho um, a slasher film necessarily it's more of a thriller um but i think that couldn't kind of be a, a, a sort of genre a kind of genre cross like a thriller thriller slasher i think that really kind of, it's probably where a lot of the inspiration for a lot of these you know came from is that you know that one deranged person Alfred Hitchcock being a master of thriller and kind of a godfather of horror movies um, that, you know, essentially, you know, anyone you could meet could possibly be a, a crazy person. You know, it's just one guy in a haunted house, well, not a haunted house, a creepy inn in, on the side of the road in the middle of, you know, bumfuck Pennsylvania and is just gonna randomly kill you because he has a split personality disorder with his mother and like it's like i mean again the concept at the is still kind of ridiculous but at the but it's it's at the same time it's like you know when you're watching this you're like that big reveal at the end that it's just him has been him the whole time and the mother's been dead he killed the mother and the the lover it's crazy you know that that that, that last scene where he's just kind of pulling up on the camera and you just kind of see the the transition is just straight madness i think that kind of deranged killer kind of mentality has really that really inspired a lot of these slasher films uh in now and of and of the past um i think that that we could definitely take a lesson from a lot of from from alfred hitchcock in psycho that mystery of who this is and why they're doing these things it plays a lot into it i think it's a lot of cool um i think a, a film I, I i would also consider this probably a slasher maybe a little bit different um creep i don't know if anyone's seen it it's ridiculous it's incredibly weird uh it makes absolutely no sense uh it's the story of this guy who hires this cameraman to document his life because he has uh terminal brain cancer uh and it's kind of it's a found footage film kind of um and it just film his life and the stuff he's doing uh and it gets really really weird really fast uh so it, there's only one kill in the movie um i recommend you watch it to find out what happens um but i think that takes it in a, a much different direction that it kind of inverts the the genre where it's just you know one guy but he is kind of a psychotic murderer that's doing these things um you know that suspense of like you're not knowing what's gonna happen next like is this guy gonna get out alive what the hell is happening should you believe what's happening what's happening is is he really brain damaged is there just something wrong with him is he you know just weird uh, i think that 
a lot of the movies nowadays have the opportunity to kind of invert those expectations, you know, and still be kind of campy, but, you know, not go take themselves too seriously. I think that's when a lot of these movies start to fall off the radar is when they do take themselves too seriously and not embrace enough of the campiness that really defined the slasher genre and continues to define the slasher genre in my opinion i think that's what makes it so great um you know but also trying to maybe making some good stories along the way like psycho like looking into the you know the human condition and the things that make us do these things or that make us scared of these kind of creatures and these kind of entities that want to get at us and tear us to a million pieces um and so uh with that uh, i think i'm gonna end the episode there um uh, it's been awesome talking to you guys about all these, you know, about the this album and about um, slasher films. Uh, interesting. If uh, you guys have any interesting topics you want me to cover, you want me to talk about, any questions, uh, feel free to reach out and ask. Uh, uh, my Instagram is cdecker22. If you want to listen to send me a DM um, just about this kind of stuff, it's pretty sick. I'm um, thinking about making uh, some social media pages for this podcast so I can kind of separate that stuff. Oh, that's cool. So I think next week's topic might be, I'm thinking about doing some uh, melodic death metal, maybe some more paranormal horror movies. Uh, I'll find something. Uh, I think it'd be interesting to talk about um, some of my favorite stuff from those separate genres. Um, so uh, I, at the end of this episode, I'd just like to say, um, hope you're all doing well during this pandemic. Stay safe. Um, stay metal. Black Lives Matter. Donate to some organizations that support racial justice. Um, and I hope you all have a hellish rest of your week. See ya. Yeah.